Well, this is an exciting passage. Uh, I'm really glad to have this one. So let me pray and uh, we'll work our way through it. Heavenly Father, uh, it's wonderful to know uh, that you want reconciliation with us. That we are humans who do wrong and have done much wrong in, in this world for centuries. And yet you're a God who wants reconciliation with us, to be at peace with us, and for us to one day join you in your dwelling place, your home. Father, please work within us today by your spirit. Show us more of who you are, that we would be gripped uh, to please you more with our lives and that we will turn away from any uh, sin that uh, happens in our lives so that we would do more good for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I read a few years ago about the daily life of the previous Deputy Australian Ambassador to Afghanistan in 2017. His name is Jonathan. For Jonathan, at that time, to travel anywhere in Afghanistan required him to be escorted out of his house to an armoured car and then escorted by four to eight bodyguards in other cars to his next destination. His family was with him in Afghanistan and his wife knew the situation and knew her husband might not come back each day. Jonathan did have top security, but imagine each day having to do this. He thought many people in the country were not dangerous and actually were interesting and thoughtful people, but there were serious threats. Jonathan would have significant disagreements with people in Afghanistan, but he needed to be polite and show respect to people as he represented Australia. So that's an example of an Australian ambassador going to a difficult place. What would you be willing to do and say as an ambassador for someone or some group? It's true that we all are ambassadors or representatives for someone. We all represent Australia to some degree. We live in Australia and many, if not all here, are Australian citizens. We vote for our councils, state and federal parliament. Some of us are ambassadors for our workplaces. We represent the values of our workplaces. We are ambassadors for our family, representing what our family values. We represent our church. What we say and do matters and affects how others understand who or what we represent. And there is one more person that we might represent. We represent Jesus. In Christ, united to Jesus for eternity, we are Christ's ambassadors. And actually, even if you don't believe Jesus and believe him as your Lord, then there is something unique to all humans. Every human being has been made in the image of God. So whether you like this reality or not, we all represent God. Every human is God's ambassador. We all represent Jesus, who is the creator with God. You can either represent Jesus in a way that honours him or in a way that dishonours him. So what do Christ's ambassadors do and say? 
We uphold and live out his ministry of reconciliation. Or you could say this service of reconciliation. This is what the Apostle Paul presents in the passage today. Christ's ambassadors uphold and live out his ministry of reconciliation. This means that if you are an ambassador for Christ, then your top priority, your first priority, in every waking moment is to uphold and live out his ministry of reconciliation. Now you know, as I do, as I do that there are different priorities day by day. And you might be thinking, how do I manage my priorities? You might have moments when you wonder, is putting Jesus first every day really worth it? Each day, each week, we are jostling between priorities. What is going to take priority? Family, work, church, Jesus. Being Christ's ambassador shapes how you live in every area of your life. Being his ambassador means having a clear understanding about this ministry of reconciliation so that you can effectively and confidently, confidently obey Christ Jesus in all facets of life, in all the priorities that you're dealing with. So let's see what the Apostle Paul has for us in 2 Corinthians. Firstly, ambassadors for Christ fear the Lord to persuade others of Jesus' gospel. Some verse 11. Since then, we know what it is to fear the Lord, we try to persuade others. Now, Paul has just stated in verse 10 that we all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or evil. This means that what we do matters. We can be secure in Christ, but we still need to proactively to choose to do good rather than evil. We need to proactively choose to please Jesus rather than not please him, which means understanding what Jesus wants of us. Paul wants us to recognise that fear of the Lord is a good motivator to persuade others to come to Jesus. I want to please Jesus, but I know many don't particularly consider pleasing Jesus with their lives. I also know, as Paul does, that not pleasing Jesus with our lives is evil. Jesus will punish all evil because he's just. To fear the Lord Jesus involves reverent awe, a recognition that Jesus is in charge and that he holds the keys to life and death. Knowing our end urges us to act so that others won't disregard or won't understand Jesus' gospel. We use persuasion to draw people into understanding Jesus and by God's grace believing in Jesus Christ. This persuasion involves our words, but also our lives. Paul and Timothy live out what they say. In verse 11, what we are is plain to God. And they hope it is also plain to the Corinthians' conscience. Paul and Timothy don't want the Corinthians to think they are commending themselves, showing off their abilities, verse 12. Persuasion isn't about showing off or commending ourselves, but commending Christ to people and all that he has done. Paul and Timothy want the saints in Corinth to be thankful to God for them, 
to boast of their work, which is proclaiming Christ and his gospel so that they will be able to answer those who focus on outward show. So what's the priority? Well, it is what is in the heart, not outward show. Paul's heart is devoted to Christ. Persuasion is not primarily about doing something spectacular or showing a miracle so someone would believe Jesus, but it is about a life devoted to Christ. Persuasion also involves speaking thoughtfully about how Christ Jesus is greater and better than the alternative desires or idols people have. From verse 13, some might say you are out of your mind, as people said of Paul and Timothy, but this is for God. If we are in a right mind, it is for you. For the saints in Corinth, Paul and Timothy were in their right mind to explain the majesty of Jesus. God enables us who follow Jesus to understand his glory in the face of Christ. Some might think we are crazy for trusting in Jesus Christ, but because we fear the Lord, we try to persuade others of Jesus' gospel. Fear of the Lord is a good motivator, but Paul goes on to say what is actually a greater motivator. Secondly, ambassadors for Christ are compelled by his love to speak of his gospel. From verse 14. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. So Christ's love compels or controls us. And Christ's love is deep and rich. Christ's love is greater than any other love. It is sacrificial love. Christ's love stands from Jesus who died for all. The implication is that all who accept Jesus' death as payment for their sin die. And this is death to our self-focused life. Jesus is able to bring about death to self-focused living for all people. But everyone has a choice to accept or reject. As verse 15 explains, And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Paul wants the Corinthians to understand the clear break of allegiance. If you accept Jesus' death for you and his powerful resurrection, then you die to living for yourself or for another and live for him. Jesus died for you and me and us all. Jesus died so that we could live. Jesus, the mighty king, who humbled himself to death on the cross and rose in glory to his father's side in heaven. Would you give up your life each day for Jesus? We need to clearly demonstrate that we are serving Jesus first and foremost. Maybe something or someone else, your boss, your spouse, your children, your ego, or the list could go on, takes first priority. We need to ask God that he would lead us not into temptation, rather that he would lead us to say yes to Jesus and his will for us. 
Ask God to boldly speak of his gospel as you are compelled by Christ's love. And as you feel and know the depth of Christ's love, you naturally respond in radical love towards others. So fear of the Lord is still a good motivator to persuade people of Jesus' gospel. But underpinning this motivation is Christ's love, the grace of God in the face of Christ. Well, let's unpack more about what this gospel is. Thirdly, ambassadors for Christ are made new in him. So from verse 16. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. We don't think about people from how people who live for themselves think about people. We think about people differently. We seek to think about people as God thinks about people, image bearers of him. Christ is not just a human who did good things on the earth. Christ Jesus is the son of God who died and rose again in power. Verse 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. Christ's resurrection means that anyone who trusts in Jesus becomes united to Christ through his spirit dwelling in us. This means that the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. And that's outstanding. Praise be to God. Through Jesus, we are new creations. We are new. This means that a life of self-focused living is dead. We are new in Christ and we live for him, to please Jesus, our King. You don't need to be overwhelmed with guilt because you are new in Christ. If you put your sins before Jesus and let him take the penalty of death for you, then you are a new creation. Your old life is done away with. You serve Jesus now, today and forever. And from verse 18, all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. We are no longer enemies of God, but reconciled to him. Just ponder that truth. We are no longer enemies of God, but reconciled to him because of what he has done in Jesus Christ. We were heading towards death and separation from God forever, but in God's grace and kindness... He chose us to be reconciled to him, to be friends with God, to be at peace with him. No animosity. This reconciliation was possible through what Jesus Christ, the high priest, achieved at the cross. For those in Christ, we have been given the ministry of reconciliation. We fear the Lord and persuade others of the gospel of Jesus because we have the ministry of reconciliation. Christ's love compels us to speak of the gospel of Jesus because we have the ministry of reconciliation. 
We are made new in Christ, and this is the response to accepting the powerful news of the gospel. Jesus Christ, our high priest, died and rose again to give us new life. And this gospel is foundational to the ministry of reconciliation. From verse 19. God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. The message of reconciliation is the message of the gospel. The message of reconciliation, uh, so that's, the, that's what the message is. And Jesus Christ, it's the gospel, Jesus Christ, King of all, died to atone for our sin, to bring about peace and oneness with God, and rose again to give new life for eternity. God will not hold someone guilty in Christ. Jesus took the punishment for sin at the cross. This is astounding news. God the Creator wants us all to be at peace with him. So he was willing to send his son to earth to die, to take the punishment for sin that we deserve. So from verse 20, We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. <clears throat> so the message of reconciliation is focused on Jesus' gospel. God uses those who trust in and depend on Jesus to implore others to be reconciled to God. He uses us for his glory. So when did you last implore someone to be reconciled to God? This must be a priority for us. If we know the grace we have received in Christ, then we should be utterly convinced that others need to know the grace we have received. Eternal life and forgiveness of sin is not just for us. In Christ we are new creations, since we are reconciled to God. Our new life involves imploring others to be reconciled to God and ourselves to continue being reconciled to God. A joyful opportunity. So let's understand a bit more clearly what Jesus accomplished for us on the cross. Fourthly, Ambassadors for Christ might become the righteousness of God. From verse 21. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So Ben spoke about justification a few Sundays ago. God justifies us or makes us right with him through faith in him, because of what Jesus accomplished on the cross. Jesus, the perfect and sinless man, became sin for us. God the Father made Jesus, the Son of God, who had no sin to be sin for us. Jesus took the sin of humanity, all that is wrong in humanity, upon himself. Jesus took the punishment of sin in his death. 
The purpose for, for this is so that in Christ, united to Christ, through the Spirit filling our hearts, we might become the righteousness of God. Through accepting Jesus, believing in him and continuing day by day to put him first, you will become the righteousness of God when you stand before God one day purified and sanctified from all that is perishable and sinful in you. Jesus took on the full wrath of God, the full punishment for the sin of humanity. So just feel the weight on Jesus' shoulders. Do you think you need Jesus to take anything for you? Examine your heart and examine yourself before God. We are broken without God. We are in need of a saviour. We don't always do what is right. Only full obedience to God will be accepted. We need Jesus to take our sin for us because our rebellion to God, our sin keeps us from being reconciled to God. We were made for being at peace with our Creator. God, our Creator, has made a way for peace with him again. The Apostle Paul implores us with some final words. From chapter 6. As God's co-workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. For he says, In the time of my favour I heard you, and in the day of salvation I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favour. Now is the day of salvation. So as Christ's ambassadors, do not receive God's grace in vain. Do not become lazy and foolish. God has graciously given you new life in Christ, so live the new life. Don't ignore the reality, which is that more people need to receive salvation. So be persuasive and implore others to be reconciled to God. Salvation is available but judgment awaits those who disregard the salvation offered to them. So if you are Christ's ambassador, then you are to uphold and live out his ministry of reconciliation. Now I've got three potential responses for us that I just want to highlight. But before I do that, I'm going to give you a minute to think about that because I need to go get a glass of water. So just think about it for a moment and let me come back and finish off with the three responses. Thanks for that. Right, three potential responses for us. Firstly, speech. So if you're going to live as Christ's ambassador, then this requires speech that is persuasive about Jesus and his gospel. The gospel of Jesus Christ is his message of reconciliation. What you say has significant impact. As ambassadors for Jesus in your workplaces or community groups or households, you are first and foremost his ambassador. 
So you might consider what useful questions you can ask to show you that you love people, that you work with or those you see regularly, but also questions that get people thinking beyond this world. Do you clearly make known that you live for Jesus? Have you ever asked someone to be reconciled to God? Do you want, do you want people to be reconciled to God? And will you ask someone? And also, don't just ask, but gently find opportunities to share about Jesus Christ, who died to atone for sin, guilt taken away, peace with God, and rose again to bring new eternal life. Share how this news has affected you and your life, and, how, and demonstrate through your approach to work or engagement with others that you're a peacemaker. I spoke with a man two weeks ago and he accepts that Jesus is ruler over all and that Jesus came to die so that we could be reconciled to God but he will not die to self and live for Jesus. He was particularly not willing to give up his desire to be with a man. He wants another man and pleasure over Jesus. Our sexual interests matter to God and he has given us marriage between a man and a woman to express sexual intimacy. This man is aware of Jesus' love, but he does not yet know Jesus nor his love. I was persuasive and I'll continue to be persuasive with love. I thank God that this man has come so far with me in understanding Jesus. And I've had many conversations with this man in different settings. I pray that he would know Jesus and that intimacy with him is far better than any intimacy he can have with another person. Well, your conversations, well, they might happen over coffee or during a lunch break or at a park while children play or at the women's evening coming up or at one of the Christmas Eve gatherings here. Secondly, our motivations. What is going to motivate you to be Christ's ambassador? Well, you fear the Lord because you know that everyone will face judgment before Jesus Christ. In Christ we are secure and any wrongdoing is forgiven. But those apart from Christ, living in sin and doing evil, will be punished. We know this reality, so we persuade others and live godly lives. Underpinning this is being controlled or compelled by Christ's love. The depth and magnitude of Christ's love for us compels us to live and proclaim Jesus' gospel. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So you are motivated as Christ's ambassador by fearing Jesus the Lord and compelled by Christ's love. Now is the day of salvation. These motivators are important because you will be faced with competing motivations such as saying something to get approval from someone or saying something to be in control or holding a grudge against someone to feel better and have power over them. Motivated by Jesus' love and justice means you'll be more empathetic as you talk to people and you'll remember that you haven't deserved God's grace. If you have decided 
to live as Christ's ambassador, then uphold and live out his ministry of reconciliation. There's nothing better than being reconciled with God. So amidst competing priorities, day by day, demonstrate that you first and foremost serve Jesus, your high priest, by wanting more people to be reconciled to God since you have been granted reconciliation. Finally, remove. How are you demonstrating that you no longer live for yourself, but Jesus who died for you and was raised again for you? In our lives, we make so many decisions. We have many thoughts. Our decisions are to reflect that Jesus is our ruler. There are things that are good in themselves, but they can become enslaving and lead us away from Jesus being our ruler. Money is good in itself, but you can be greedy and keep more for yourself. A way to counter this greed is by making a budget and actively plan to be generous. Give towards co-workers who are proclaiming Christ and shepherding God's people. Socialising and recreation is good in itself, but you can socialise and drink too much or gossip as you socialise or recreate too often and be lazy. Counter this through planning. When will you socialise and recreate? You might plan to recreate with other brothers and sisters in Christ. Set goals because you love Jesus more than sin. Another example that also affects me is shows or movies on television. There can be fascinating and wonderful shows or movies or useful news on television, but there can also be shows, movies, video clips that are dangerous, sexually immoral and destructive. We can find comfort in movies or stories and this comfort can become more important than God. So when do you say enough? We need to be thinking, how are we demonstrating that we are captivated by Christ and not captivated by another story on TV that arouses our desire for comfort or power? Setting times when movies or shows are watched is important and considering the content before watching is necessary. We uphold good sexual ethics, though movies commonly uphold sexual immorality. Intimacy and comfort is found supremely in Jesus, who has given us peace with God, our maker. Movies or shows, or the other things I mentioned, well, they might not be an issue for you, but what is? How are you demonstrating that you live for Jesus and not for yourself? Jesus frees you from being guilty so that you can live a new life, a new creation in Christ. Remove what is damaging your worship of Jesus and add what increases your worship of Jesus. We do this because as ambassadors for Jesus, we uphold and live out his ministry of reconciliation. Christ's love compels us to persuasively speak the gospel and remove anything that hinders living for him. Through our lives, we demonstrate that we choose to live a certain way because we don't live for ourselves, but we live for Jesus. We are Christ's 
ambassadors. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we need to feel the weight that was put on Jesus' shoulders at the cross. We needed to know today, Father, that Jesus took our sin upon himself. Jesus, one who is sinless, perfect in your sight, completely obedient to you, willingly did this to take the punishment that we deserve for our sin before you. And he did this because he loves us. Thank you, Father, that you love us and orchestrated this whole work to happen. And thank you, Father, you not only did this, but, but you transformed us by your spirit working within us so that we are new creations. Father, by your spirit, enable us to live in the new life. Grant us the privilege to see more people live the new life in Christ. Powerfully work within us, Father, to be your son, Christ Jesus, Christ Jesus' ambassadors, to be representing him well. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Henry, and it is 